0: This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, March 6, 2018. I'm Caleb Brown. The president has long threatened tariffs as a solution to protecting American jobs, though it still remains unlikely that raising prices for American industry and consumers, and also inviting retaliation from our trading partners, is really going to help the average American. Cato's Dan Eikensen discusses the plan. What authority does the president have? to alter the uh, trading arrangement for the United States?
1: Well, as you know, uh, under the Constitution, Article 1, Section 8, it is Congress that has authority over foreign commerce. Over the years, it has delegated some of that authority to the president to impose trade restrictions when certain conditions are met. Uh, In this case, uh, President Trump seems to be invoking uh, Section Two thirty-two of the Trade Expansion Act of 1962, which is a national security provision, which permits the president to respond to perceived national security threats with tariffs and quotas or other trade restrictions.
0: And in, you know, in the background, when uh, Congress was handing this authority over to the president, some of that made a lot of sense. Certainly, the national security exemption is all
1: about uh, Cold War considerations it was about you know responding to uh, maybe Russian advances or maybe something that uh, that we w- would would want to uh, fortify our own domestic production to address um, but you know w- w- what we really did from nineteen thirty to nineteen the 1990s we reduced our average tariffs from about sixty percent to about four percent and in order for congress to allow that to happen, it needed guarantees from the president that he would invoke certain provisions under certain circumstances. Uh, If there's a surge of imports, uh, we'd like to have a safeguard law that could temporarily protect the domestic industry. Uh, If there's unfair trade or subsidized foreign trade, we should be able to respond with anti-dumping duties or countervailing duties, but the national security uh, exception has not Uh, been uh, invoked, not since the WTO was established in 1995. There have been investigations under it, but uh, it's really a sacred sort of provision in the sense that under the the WTO, under the GATT, the General Agreement on Tariffs and Trade, governments recognized that, look, freeing trade is important to fostering good relations among neighbors and to contributing to economic growth. But the primary objective of government is to is to protect its citizens. So in the event of some sort of national security threat, governments need to be able to raise barriers to excuse themselves from their commitments to trade liberalization, at least for a short period of time. This uh, rationale for invoking national security that our our steel industry or, or our aluminum industry uh, is, uh, is imperiled by imports, it really lowers the benchmark. It's really not a credible argument, and it's going to weaken the, the trading system as others who want to afford protection to their favored industries
0: uh, do the same. Now, the president specifically has, uh, is pushing uh, tariffs of a, a pretty substantial uh, percentage on aluminum and steel. Uh, Who does the United States trade with in terms of aluminum and steel? Well, in the steel market, our our primary
1: uh, uh, foreign source is Canada and Korea, Brazil, Europe, Japan – uh, I think China is about our eighth or ninth largest supplier. We're, it's, we're on at, list, it's, it's on the list, it's down li- there. Way down the list. So if you read the reports, the aluminum and steel reports produced by the Commerce Department, which, have, which uh, led to the, these decisions, uh, Chinese overcapacity in those two industries is the source of the threat, yet we are going after our allies uh, instead. Uh, but to get back on, on aluminum, the major source of aluminum is Canada, the United Arab Emirates and China. Uh, but the fact is uh, this is not uh, our national security is not imperilled by our dependence on sources of these materials. Uh, these materials are consumed, purchased by US companies that fabricate, uh, the parts and the accessories that are used for for uh, national security or for military purposes or whatever it is that uh, that is deemed to be
0: in, in in support of our national security. And uh, what did the president's national security team think about this decision? I'm thinking of you know H.R. McMaster and uh, James Mattis. They think it's a very bad idea. They, uh,
1: in fact, most of the president's advisors uh, reportedly were opposed to this uh, this decision, really Peter Navarro and uh, Wilbur Ross are about the only two economic advisors uh, who have been pushing the president to do this. It's as though the president were intent on doing this all along and he, he only wanted to, to hear from uh, from Navarro and Ross who were both you know, pretty dyed in the wool uh, economic nationalists who Hold this view that the United States has so much leverage over the rest of the world, particularly particularly over countries with whom we run trade deficits because obviously they depend more on our market than we do on theirs. So they'll be willing to come to the table. We could uh, endure – a a trade war trump tweeted the other day that we trade wars are fun or trade wars are good we can we we, we can win them uh he, it's like fighting limited nuclear war he's like saying well you know there'll be 10 million deaths over there and we'll only uh we'll only endure 1 million deaths over here well <laughs> mr president uh, we want no deaths
0: anywhere how long do we expect these to last? I saw some mention uh, that the, the president is saying until we have some sort of new, better uh, North American free trade agreement, these tariffs are going to stay uh, in effect.
1: Well, th- the rationale given in the Commerce Department reports in the two th- Section 232 investigation uh, was that the tariff numbers that they came up with were designed to encourage U.S. capacity to be rebuilt or idled capacity to come online in both the steel and the aluminum industry, so they wanted it to be up to a certain number. You know, In steel, uh, we produce about 75 percent, maybe close to 80 percent of the steel that's needed domestically, so we rely on imports for 20 to 25 percent of it. Um, and I think that these the, the duties, you know, ostensibly are are to stay in place until we uh, reach those those numbers. But I'm not sure that 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 we would actually reach those numbers. We would probably see more production coming out of domestic mills at higher prices, uh, you know, without the capacity going up. Um, I uh, I with respect to NAFTA, as you mentioned, it wasn't until this morning that we got a sense that the president was going to hold the NAFTA negotiations hostage because he's announced a 25% duty on steel on all countries, including our NAFTA partners, and 10% on aluminum on all countries. The NAFTA countries, Canada and Mexico, are are expecting to be exempted from this. And if they're not, it's going to really complicate uh, the conclusion of the NAFTA renegotiation. But this morning, Trump said that... uh, you know, we'll uh, think about uh, giving exemptions to Canada and and, and Mexico, uh, but it depends on you know how the NAFTA talks go. So, he's overtly using it as leverage to uh, to get whatever it is he wants out of the NAFTA.
0: Let's talk about uh, domestic producers that make extensive use of steel and aluminum. These are uh, to the extent that steel is imported in the United States, mostly it's steel that's imported for use in the United States for uh, uh, manufacturing. What does what do these tariffs mean for the for various industries and where might we see some? Uh, problems. I know the stock market has already responded to to a large extent to these tariffs, but, but what industries will we see that would be significantly damaged by these tariffs? Sure. Well, auto producers,
1: appliance manufacturers, uh, the construction industry, there's a lot of steel in in buildings and in uh, energy transportation, you know, pipelines for oil drilling and gas transmission. Uh, steel is used in a lot of of products in a lot of industries. In fact, you know, we've done the numbers here and according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics and, and also the Bureau of Economic Analysis, for every one worker in steel production, there are 47 workers in downstream industries in, in industries that rely on steel as a, as a chief input. And as far as contribution to value added to GDP goes, the steel producers account for about 0.2% of GDP. Whereas the steel-using industries account for 5.8 percent, so 29 times. So you know, if you're looking for a way to really uh, wreak havoc on the economy, you know, choke off uh, a crucial supply right at the uh, at the outset, and see how it metastasizes, see how the effects uh, trickle down and 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 paralyze the manufacturing economy. So it really makes no sense. The president is, you know, he's, he's, he's a physiocrat. You know, he, he seems to think that, uh, you know, everything is uh, uh, the value of, of everything is based on its, uh, you know, manufacturing worth and steel is king and he's living in uh, the wrong decade uh, and uh, he is uh, making some major, major mistakes here. And it's not just the downstream steel industries that we need to be concerned about. It's uh, the export Interests that are going to be the targets of foreign retaliation that we need to be concerned about. They purchase a lot of U.S. inputs, including labor inputs, to manufacture their wa- their goods that they that they export. And so uh, there's going to be a lot of destruction. And then on top of that, the whole trading system, which has underpinned you know eight decades of economic growth and wealth creation, uh, there's a there's a huge amount of uncertainty now hanging over the over the system and uh, as if others respond in kind, uh, it could be the wild west of the trading system again.
0: In terms of uh, getting the president to back off on these tariffs, w- the sense that I get from uh, news articles and what I've read about this particular president is lots of losses in the stock market would be an effective counter. Yeah. I mean, it, it, the, for many, many months,
1: this kind of information has been put before the, the president, but he seems impervious to it, that there are these downstream costs and that, look, you, this is your economy, an economy that uh, reflects the policies you've implemented, the deregulation you've implemented, the tax cuts, and all of a sudden, you're going to undo all of that. Do you really want to kill your economy? And uh, all along, I've assumed that the president is rational uh, and that he realizes that he's therefore economically constrained and politically constrained. But uh, he, his behavior so far doesn't seem to reflect that. Either he's rational and he's just using a, a different calculator or he's not rational. Um, but yes, but if he imposes these duties and then the stock market reacts, it's uh, you know, maybe a little too little, a little too late. Um, so maybe we just need to wait for a better day. Or maybe if he were ever to be exonerated uh, as a result of this uh, Mueller investigation, he, he wouldn't be wagging uh, – the, being the tail wagging the dog with these uh, economic uh, proposals.
0: Dan Eikenson directs trade policy studies at the Cato Institute. Subscribe to and rate the Cato Daily Podcast at iTunes and Google Play and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.